This Wellness Couch podcast proudly brought to you by the Nourish Me Organics Gut Health Gurus podcast hosted by food scientist Kribben Govinda. If you're fascinated by all things gut health, the microbiome, fermented foods, mental health, mitochondrial health and more, then search for the Nourish Me Organics Gut Health Gurus podcast on your favorite podcast app and get listening. TheWellnessCouch.com, streaming wellness into your lives. You're listening to A Quirky Journey, the healthy family podcast with your hosts, Joe Witten and Fuad Kassab. Hey everyone, welcome to A Quirky Journey. I'm not going to give you a long intro today because we are um, chatting quite a lot in the podcast. So let me just quickly tell you that um, we have events coming up in far north Queensland. If you haven't booked in, You've got a few days left. So Townsville's on the 9th, Monday the 9th. Uh, Cairns is on Thursday the 12th and Atherton is on Friday the 13th. So if you go to quirkycooking.com.au forward slash events, you'll find all the details there. And the kinds of things that we talk about at the events are very much the kinds of things we're talking about on this podcast. Plus, we show you lots of practical cooking tips. We help you um, learn about making a healthy, balanced lunchbox. Um, We talk about healing foods and how to make them in your own home. No need to buy them. They're cheap and easy and they're very, very good for you. So traditional healing foods, whole foods, that's the basis of the seminars that we're doing and they're called Nourishing Your Family. Okay, so that's coming up next week. Um, And I want to just make sure that you all know that if you need meal plans and recipes and ideas for cooking healthy meals and for healing with food, I do send out a newsletter each Friday that you can um, subscribe to on the Quirky Cooking website Um, and you can get a meal plan in your inbox each Friday with links to recipes that will really help you to get your um, cooking on track if you're finding it difficult to keep up with it all. Lots of tips and ideas in those newsletters too for um, things like bulk cooking, um, budgeting, all of that kind of thing. So the everyday stuff that we all need to um, try and keep on top of. (laughs) Okay, so this podcast is with two women that I really admire, Dr. Nat and Lee, who run the Kids Development Centre in Perth. I absolutely love the work that they do. And just recently, I had the privilege of um, being able to take my two boys to see them and have an appointment with them. Um, So they did brain mapping and they worked through their symptoms and their health history. And we talked through all that. And then they came up with a care plan. Um, We've got some more testing to do. So there's just, I just feel like I'm taking another step in our health journey um, by delving a little deeper into um, the why behind, you know, the anxiety or the um, things that my boys struggle with. And um, even though we've come so far, there's still more work to do. And I've learned so much from these women. So I'd really love for you to listen to this podcast. They did do another podcast with us back in May, which was super popular a really, really interesting podcast. So if you haven't listened to that one, go to the link in the show notes and you can listen to that one as well. But you can listen to these two separately. You don't have to listen to the first one first. It's either either or. They're both um, super interesting and completely understandable on their own. 
So I hope you enjoy and I hope you get a lot out of it. Thanks for listening. Welcome again, Dr. Nat and Lee. It's so good to have you back on the show. How are you going? Yeah, good. Thank you, Jay. Thanks so much for having us back. We really enjoyed it last time. It was really good fun, actually. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We had so many people listen to that show. It was actually the ratings were twice as much as the usual. So, you know, oh, wow. in a month, it would usually be like 2,000 people would download one show and it was 4,000. It was like, wow. Yeah. And I've, I've just found it so interesting learning more about what you do. Fuad wasn't here for the last one. So Fuad, yay, you get to chat. Yes, I'm super excited. <laughs> because my, my brain hasn't been working well at all. I'm like, I want to talk to some people who can help me get my brain back on track. And they, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that's us. Yeah, and the end that's of it. the day going, let's hope our brains work for this podcast. <laughs> end of the week, end of the day, that kind of thing. You know? Oh, we'll see. Well, um, do you want it for those who haven't listened to the first podcast, in case they haven't, do you want to just give a little bit of an overview about what you do? I mean, I will talk about it in the intro when I record that, but yeah. from you guys um, explaining what you do and how it can help. That would yeah, be- absolutely. Um, so we actually have a clinic called the Kids Development Centre in Perth. Um, We've been working with children in the clinic now for a dozen or so years um, and in a, in a holistic manner, I guess. So we have kids who come to us with mental health issues, learning issues, digestive issues, digestive issues. <laughs> just yeah. about everything really. Um, and what we do is we look at the brain, the body and the gut, how they interrelate and how we can support all of those systems together in order to get the best possible outcome for these kids. Hmm. Yeah. And we've just taken... What we're doing in clinic online which is really exciting because we're getting a lot of calls from people all around australia yeah. saying no one does what you do no one does all of that together you yeah know, that's right specialists or gut specialists but bringing all of that together um is quite unique yeah so we thought oh well, we'll do an online program that'll be easy not really <laughs> <laughs> you know that's not yeah easy. yeah it's a lot <laughs> of work we created an online program so everyone can access it, which has been brilliant. We've and really you've, you've done the first um, work through of the program. Yeah. Like how long did that take? Uh, it, it's, it's a sort of a six-week course, but then we do four weeks of follow-up so that, so that we can actually track them while they're um, actually living yeah. the program. While they're implementing things like exactly. doing a gut care protocol, changing diet. And, yeah, so, so yeah, it's, you know, about three months, I guess, all up, that we, we give them that, that sort of one-on-one support. Um, and we've just, yeah, we've yes, just finished yes. and they're all just doing so well. So we're oh. so happy because um, obviously the point of having a program was so that more mums would know about this way of, of helping their children. That was the whole purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, it's not worth anything if it doesn't actually help them. So, <laughs> yeah. so we were really happy that... Um, that, yeah, everyone was. Yeah, everyone did really well, and I think the thing for us is that so many mums come to us, and and they're really kind of either blame, they're blaming themselves. They think it's their parenting, and that's the cause of their child's anxiety, or they think it's their child's personality. And it was really important for us that 
mums understand that there's so much more to this. Mm. Treating anxiety is extremely complex. So if we yes. have a whole team <laughs> of people working on all of these different issues because it is so complex and, it it's, and it, you need someone to bring it all together for you. Otherwise, mm. it's so hard. And what's happening is these mums are trying to do that themselves. So they're yeah. seeing all different professionals, but, but because those professionals aren't talking to each other, it's the mum who has to bring all that information together and try and work out what she should do next. Yeah. And, and that's what the purpose of the program is, 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 is we're bringing it all together and putting it together so that, they, so that they know what to do next. Otherwise, they're just lost. And these yeah. mums who have done the pilot program are amazing. Yeah, they're all Joe quirky cooking mums, that's why. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. But they also learn to go well. Yeah, they're so oh, that's good. They know what to do. They're standing up for what they believe in. And, and that's what we wanted to do for their yeah. children. It's been brilliant. We really wanted to support mums because we see the mums that come in this clinic and they are just beaten. Mm. And they are, they're just, they're beaten by... Um, by our society, yeah. they're beaten by our medical system, they're beaten by the education system, um, and even family and friends. I know, I know they're well-meaning, but um, really, it's only the mum that that really sees the anxiety. Oh, to absolutely, extent, yeah. yeah. And and um, to have us acknowledge that and say, "You're right," you know, trust your mother's intuition. You are right that your child is in distress. And there is something you can do about it. Yeah. You just see the relief on their face. Yeah. yeah and, and there's an underlying cause. It's not, yeah. not personality. It's not in their head. Yeah. <laughs> so, so is anxiety the thing that you focus on completely or is it other behavioural issues? that? No, at the clinic we, we cover everything. So ADHD, um, you know, every label you can imagine comes yeah. in. Um, can, not, can, you, can you run us through some of the most uh, common things that you actually look at? So um, kids with attention disorders, um, kids with sensory processing, processing disorder, um, kids, so kids with autistic behaviours as well, uh, anxiety, depression, um, uh, OCD. Op- yeah, OCD, yeah. oppositional behaviours. Mm-hmm. We see a lot of boys come through with oppositional mm-hmm. behaviours. What does that mean? That means that they say no to everything. Yeah, um, <laughs> sometimes we're quite aggressive. And, and, and it's a boys, you said boys specifically. Lots of boys, yeah, because because I don't agree with that. You're being oppositional. I think you better work on him. Yeah. <laughs> it's really hard for boys though, because the reason they're saying no is because they're overwhelmed. They say no because they just can't. Because kids, kids are amazing and they just want to please. Kids just want to meet expectations. They mm-hmm. really do. So if a child is, is saying no, it's, there's, there's, there's a reason for it. They, they're overwhelmed, they've had enough and they just can't take anymore. Can't deal. So um, I, I know that feeling. So you said uh, the op- oppositional oh. behaviour? So how you say you, yeah. Oppositional, yeah. Okay, and what else? After what I stopped you from continuing. Uh what else? Um, panic attacks, things like that. Do people, uh, children? Panic like, attacks. Yeah, yeah, we do. We see a lot of teenagers with panic attacks, and yeah. a lot of teenagers with complete burnout. So mm. very fatigued, not able to cognitive okay. process, um, and sometimes not even able to attend school. Yeah, we so, see that a lot too. Yeah, and yeah. then we just and then we just see normal kids too. So parents who've been to their doctor and said, "Look, my child's complaining of stomach aches, of headaches, of being tired." 
um, and they've run all the run-of-the-mill tests and they can't find anything. Um, but the mums are like, well, but it's not good enough. My child is not not well. Yeah. So we just see uh, run-of-the-mill kids as well with no labels, no diagnosis. They're just, just kids that are in distress. Yeah. And yeah. I think that's one of those things like where we think a lack of uh, disease symptoms or illness yeah. symptoms is a sign of health when it really isn't. Mm. You know, like when the doctor says, oh, there's nothing wrong with your kid and you know that they're not thriving as they should be. Exactly. Um, yeah, okay. Exactly. And that's one of the things we talk about in our program, actually, is the biomedical model of medicine that we have in Australia or in the world, yeah. actually, where if they don't find it, a disease, a cause for the illness, um, then... Apparently, you don't have one. So yeah. now we, we look at it in more of a biopsychosocial model. So we talk about this in the course, the biopsychosocial model. So we're looking at the biology of the child. Yeah. We're looking at um, the psychological component and also the social components. So bringing it all together so that you're really supporting that child and that child's environment so they can thrive. Yeah, it's good. Mm. So the the social aspect is how it relates to the environment and the emotional. Yes. Uh, yes. Is that what, okay. Yeah, and, and expectations. So our society is fairly inflexible when it comes yes. to expectations. Mm. Um, kids are expected to go to school. They're expected to learn in a certain way. Um, they're expected okay. to behave a certain way. Mm -hmm. And some kids just can't meet those expectations. And uh, okay. And the symptoms that you see are a result of that. Yeah. yeah. All right. So, but you said biopsychosocial. Yeah. Uh, I just want to break that apart a little bit. So, the bio aspect is more the constitutional aspect of the of the person. Biological aspect. So, yeah. So, we, when we when we assess a child, we look at their biology. Yeah. So, we look at their gut health. Um, we look at their DNA. Uh, we look at bloods. Bloods. Yeah. Blood work. If they've got any nutritional deficiencies. So we're really looking deep down into the root cause. We'll look at what kind of diet okay. they've got. So the, those kinds of aspects as well. Okay. And we also so we look at primitive reflexes. We look at their sympathetic nervous system. We mm -hmm. look at the way they breathe, their heart rate variability. So, yeah, it's about really getting to the bottom of what is happening in this child. And okay. I was interested too when you did the um, testing on my boys, it was also looking into... What was their birth like? What was, did they meet their, you know, milestones? Yeah. It was all sorts of things, yeah. Because all of those things impact on brain development. Mm. Um, and, and birth trauma is something that's really under underreported. Mm. So birth trauma has a massive impact on the baby and, and on the mother. And it's something, it's almost like as mothers, you know, we have a traumatic birth. Um, it's almost like we're not even allowed to mention that, you know. Mm. We just always block to, it out. <laughs> yeah, we're supposed to get on, get on with it. And, you know, the fact that you've just had this incredibly traumatic birth, it's just like, well, too bad, off you go, here's a baby. And, and yeah, it's <laughs> over now. It's over now, forget yeah. it. <laughs> so, so, like, one. I, I want to get back to the psycho and a social bit, but this birth trauma. Um, part is super interesting because I don't think we've talked about that. Joy, no, no, we haven't. Um, what we find through is that probably eighty percent of the kids who who presented our clinic have had a history of birth trauma. And wow. can you give us examples of what birth trauma is? Look, long prolonged um, forceps where there's where there's a fair amount of intervention where maybe the baby's um, heart has has been impacted, so yeah. they're 
Yeah, there's oh, an emergency Caesar. Uh, I mean, we've had kids who've come out with broken arms. Oh, uh, yeah, you know, uh-huh. squashed little heads. You know, it, birth is a pretty, mm. it's a pretty traumatic experience for some kids, and mm. and that sets them up. So it actually sets their nervous system up right from that very day. You know, um, it, it all relates back to the vagus nerve, which is where we look at um, at that body impact. Yeah. So that the vagus nerve is impacted by that traumatic entry. So it means they're kind of... As like their operating system is loading up and showing up in the world. It's got all these mechanisms that are now responding to stress more yes. readily than they are responding exactly. to... Exactly. Yeah, That's right. They're yeah. in fight flight yeah. from the moment they're born. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's harder to yeah. bring the brain yeah. That's Isaac. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he was just like this crazy fast birth and then it was... It's like yeah. he never stopped. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wasn't ready for this. Yeah. yeah. That's and, right. And the, the um, so that was, okay, so the next one was the psycho. So this is as re- relates to the psychology, I'm guessing. Exactly. And, and a lot of um, practitioners will do psychological testing here, and we do too where it's relevant. Um, we have a clean psych who works here in the clinic. But, but we also look at the brain. So this is where we do the QEEG, which is the quantitative electroencephalograph. Okay. So we're actually looking to we're looking at the function of the brain, how it functions, mm-hmm. uh, um, comparing that to a normative database of children their age, and we come up with this beautiful picture, which tells us what is happening in that brain. So we can we can then become we can look at that child as an individual. Yeah. So I'm. We do not treat the disorder, so we're never treating anxiety or ADHD or ASD. We're not, we're not doing that. We're treating the individual child as they present to us. Mm-hmm. How long does an assessment like this take? Like it, I bring my child in for her to, to be assessed. So how long would that, yeah, would that usually take? No, Joe's just been through a part of it. Yeah, so Joe was... I was actually surprised with the actual brain part. Um, mm. What do you call it, a brain map or something? Brain map, yeah. yeah. Or um, QED. It was basically they kind of had three minutes with their eyes open and three minutes with their eyes closed and there wasn't a lot more Isaac time. managed to keep his eyes closed for three minutes. I know. He <laughs> still. I know. He yeah. stayed still for that amount of time. It was pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and then I suppose it was about an hour of talking through everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but it wasn't at all um, hard for the kids, was it? Oh, so, no. so you can imagine. They, they were you. talking about themselves. <laughs> <laughs> but say compared to like a visit to the GP, which would usually say take ten minutes. Yeah, yeah. Most, <laughs> you, you guys achieve a lot more in in that time, which it, is, and it's more sort of personalized. You treat yeah, really very to the of the of the person rather than at the symptoms that they're presenting with. Exactly. Um, Exactly. But one thing that's super interesting to me is when you said, you know, like the mom comes, like, and I saw that, I think, in uh, Simi's behavior or like the Simi's um, document, the report that you sent out to Joe. And it was around, like, you know, that the child isn't um, anxious. That's not who they are. It's more something that they're uh, presenting yeah, with. Exactly. It's com- compensatory. Yeah. yeah. And how, so how do you sort of uh, delineate what is essentially the person and what is like symptomatically the, the, the illness that they're dealing with? How, like, do you pull that apart? or? 
Yeah, so how do you tell if it's um, the compensatory high beta, I suppose, or if it's... Yeah, that, and that comes down that's to... experience, yeah, really. Yeah, just clinical experience. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well. yeah, and the presentation of the child. I mean, I know from Joe telling me that Sim was generally a pretty cool, calm and collected little kid when he was younger. He was. Yeah. So, um, so that tells me that if, if he had been able to just be that person without society's expectations piled on top of him, um, yeah. he would have lived quite a happy, lovely, daydreamy little life. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 with his mum for the rest of his life and being yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I've got to get a job now. <laughs> <laughs> but because he, you know, he had, you know, had to had to do schooling, and and then he's got a job, and there's certain expectations with that. And Sim is just a gorgeous young man who wants to please and wants to meet those expectations. And in order to do that, he had to speed himself up. Um, and so what he did was he um, instigated his own fight flight to get himself some excitatory neurotransmitters like like adrenaline. Um, to speed up that brain presentation so he could meet expectation. Mm. Yeah. And, and we all do that when we have deadlines looming or, or that yeah. sort of thing. But these kids are having to do that on a day-to-day basis. Yes. You can't do that long-term without some damage. Mm. Yes, and then so he, he's living a certain narrative in his mind around pleasing and meeting people's expectations. He's feeling that him at a baseline isn't meeting that, so he needs to push himself up to another level. And exactly. then after a while, he forgets to that. Actually, no, this is where I'm. Like the lower level is where I am. Come back down. Okay. So the nervous system has been trained over that period of months, years, or whatever it is, to stay overreactive to situations. Exactly. And, and it's okay. not. It's not easy to just turn that off. Yeah. And especially for young kids, you know, so we have to help them do that and that's what we do. Yeah, and that, that's why we need the full team <laughs> to yeah. help them bring them out of that fight flight. So um, looking at diet, we would help reduce um, those excitatory neurotransmitters to, okay. to bring those down. So mm-hmm. we look at things like high glutamate foods, for instance, that speed up the brain. Um, and can cause inflammation. And then we also look at the body, so mm. working on the vagus nerve um, to calm the whole nervous system down. Yeah, yeah. So the child actually needs a fair bit of intervention sometimes to get out of that fight flight. Mm. Some of these children's diaphragms are so tense they can't even get breath into their abdomen. Yeah, and these that's are how young... we felt for a while there. Mm. Yeah, yeah. And these are young kids, you know, so how can you tell that child to relax? That's just not, that's just not possible. And, and because they've been in fight flight for so long, they're in this defence mode, yeah. you know. You can actually see it. They're, they're, they brace themselves. Their abdomen's very firm, so they're braced for impact, yeah. really. Um, and to let that go feels very scary to them. Mm. So it's... They feel um, that the tension is what's kind of holding them up and allowing yeah, them to... Exactly. Keep them, holding them together. I've had that yeah. feeling. I know that. <laughs> I think we've all had that feeling. Yeah. Feeling day to day, all the time, yeah, mm. really, really hard, and that's why we often see these types of presentations um, come into the clinic when they're teenagers and they're burnt out yeah. because they've been using that adrenaline for so long to get through school mm. or meet those expectations. Adrenaline eventually runs out, <laughs> as a lot of us know. Yeah. Our little adrenal glands sometimes can't keep producing it, and then you hit that burnout and that fatigue. Mm. Yeah, and then and that's when. 
right. Sorry. Yeah. That's when you see um, a lot of teenagers getting like chronic fatigue and glandular yeah. fever and yeah, exactly. I, I know probably five in my small circle of people in this place that have had it, including yeah. my sister. Yeah, yeah, exactly. At that age. Yeah. 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 It's a really, really vulnerable age mm. um, because you're, you're hitting puberty as well and puberty mm. itself is inflammatory. <laughs> yes. So if you've already got an inflammatory profile, if you've already got issues because of um, weaknesses in genetics mm. and an environment that hasn't supported those genetics and then you add puberty in, yeah, holy dooly, that's not fun. Yeah. Mm. Get ready for puberty, everyone. <laughs> it's, it's, uh, well, tell us how. <laughs> it's too late, too late for my kids, but Fuad's kids are not there yet. <laughs> yeah, I've got two daughters, like they're nine and six. And yeah. so you know, at some point I'm going to wake up and go, oh, it's here. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Puberty and high school. Mm. Oh, high school, you know, those two things. It's so, so cruel to put the two together, right? I really love what you guys are talking about because in um, Western medicine, the view is that the body is sort of broken into, into bits, you know, let's say uh, the adrenal glands or whatever it is. And um, the, the way that they look at it is they break it down into the, the small parts and yeah. then they rest those parts. They go, well, you know, your adrenals are... Uh, not working anymore. So, you know, you might need steroid hormones or like if you, it's whatever it is that they try to compensate for the function uh, by bringing some kind of balance to that, that organ. But what you, you guys are saying is the problem uh, isn't originally biological. Yes. So the biology isn't, isn't what started this whole thing. It was actually an emotional and mental response to, the, to this person's life that then caused the biology to react in a certain way and the biology created a state of illness, if you want to call it. Or this, yeah. this. And it, it actually can be both. So, so, so the biology <laughs> can also impact on the mental health. Okay. So, yes, and that's one of the things we look at with the DNA. Mm-hmm. Yes, so, and, and the diet as well, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, yes. And your environment, how that yeah. environment because all of that can impact on your biology biology and how your um, brain responds, how your body responds. Mm. Um, It's not, yeah, absolutely. There's such a complex... Mm. There's definitely children that are just more susceptible. So, you know, if they have certain genetics, so if they have um, gene mutations with MTHFR, COMP, GAD1, MAOA, these all impact on mood and cognition and your ability to deal with these stress hormones, then of course you're going to have more difficulty when you're up against certain, certain stresses stress and normal exactly. life. Yeah. And I think actually it's really important for mums to know that about their child because it, it just gives you this deeper understanding of why they might not be coping as well as other mm. people. And I think Joe's a really good example of this. You know, I think you knew right from the start that, that you needed to support your children in a different way. Yeah, I did. You did, and and to do that um, is really brave. Mm-hmm. Like that's really hard for a lot of mums to do. Mm-hmm. To, to buck the system and say no, my kids need something different is really really difficult. Yeah. Yeah, so, and you get a lot of opposition, but yeah, it's like you were saying to me when I had my appointment, it's just this mother's instinct. Sometimes you just you just know, and you've got to go with it, and you fight 
you like you're going against the tide um but in the end you go that was the right thing to do absolutely it's it's pretty full on though especially when you don't actually know what you're doing (laughs) (laughs) one of the reasons we developed this course was for mums like you to so that you can trust your, your mother's intuition but also so that you can question what what the establishment is saying and say no you know what I know my child mm. and I know and you know they, and also you know the scientific research behind yeah, exactly. everything so you're that actually helps. feel yeah. confident and you feel backed up when you can actually when you understand the biology of the child you understand the research behind it you understand how the gut impacts on the brain yeah. all of that allows the mum to be yeah confident, confident because the, that's what I always wanted to know and I was always researching, trying to figure out the why behind things. But like you say, when you're trying to do it all yourself, it's just so overwhelming and, you, and you're trying to find information everywhere and it's like, where do I look? So, yeah, it was... One, it was one bit of information contradicts the other. That's right. And you're like, well, who do I believe? <laughs> but when you, start, when you start really doing, like when I found it was even though I know a lot of this stuff now, just doing these, um, this appointment with you guys, sort of it makes it all so much clearer because you yeah. go, ah, so that's why that happens and this is how we can, yeah, it just starts to all fit together more. It's really yeah. helpful. Yeah, I'm so pleased because that's what we're about, yeah. Mm. And it's, it's our whole goal, I mean, obviously we want to we help kids, that's, that's our passion, but um, supporting mums, mm huge part of um of what we do we really feel for mums we feel that mums don't get the respect that they deserve um and are often questioned we hate things like helicopter mum and yeah oh my goodness it's so patronizing yeah and yeah we're all about supporting mums yes yeah. sorry food we're about <laughs> supporting dads too <laughs> uh, I, i'm with you on that you know like i i i, I feel like um a doctor who spends five to ten minutes with their child mm-hmm. as opposed to the mother who spent more time with the child than the child spent time with itself, really. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I can, can know uh, a lot more and has a lot of valuable feedback and input. Um, yeah. but, but there's certainly a lot of overwhelm for the mother because there's a sense of helplessness on one, one hand. And yeah. we see it as well as you said, we see a lot of uh, feelings of guilt because they feel, oh, like, if it's genetic, they got this from me. If it is, yeah. I didn't get to the hospital on time. Or uh, if it's this, I didn't do that. I didn't feed them the right, I didn't know what to do. And this, this kind of thing is overwhelming for the mother. Yeah. And, but, you know, at some point that kind of um, the guilt and the... Um, um, the feelings associated with that need to be sort of put aside and say, look, they're not really relevant and they're not helping me um, feel good and energetic to deal with the situation with my child and it's also not going to help my child feel better. So yeah. with, with the stuff that you guys are doing, it breaks it down into all these different areas where there are actionable points that you can just go, all right, well, here I know what to do, here I know what to do. And exactly. obviously you're giving all this kind of feedback, which is wonderful. But yeah. I, 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 I'm thinking about this social aspect, you know, like I, I look at Simeon 
obviously he's like the, he's the sweetest person on this planet you know like <laughs> and, uh, American, like, yeah, he's gorgeous. Yeah, yeah. and and he he's a bit of a dreamer you know and um and the world does put unrealistic expectations on us yeah. it, it does do that how do we what kind of advice do we give people then the, what do we tell them you know um I think knowing, so when a parent sees, the, the, particularly the QEG, and I think you probably saw the same, Joe. when you actually see what's happening, mm. just get this aha moment, like, okay, now I get it, now I understand. Okay, so this is, this is where we need to um, focus our direction. And as I said to Joe, for Sim, he needs something that he loves, okay, <laughs> because, because his, his brain is low in dopamine, that motivation to attend to things that he has no interest in. <laughs> You're right. Cleaning his room. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like I've got a doctor's certificate that says I don't need to clean my room now. Oh, no. They just can't. So, so to focus and attend on, um, on, on a topic that is of no interest to him takes way too much energy and effort. Whereas if he has a natural interest and um, excitement about the topic, that in itself boosts his natural dopamine mm-hmm. so that he can attend, yeah. he can focus, um, and, and it doesn't exhaust him, you know. Which is mostly right. soccer. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, finding something that he does really love. Yeah. Um, but also for this sort of presentation, he needs a job where, where there's not a whole lot of deadlines because... Mm-hmm. That's just going to create a huge amount of stress. Like, can you imagine Simi in an office job with with deadlines? No. Oh my goodness. Also, I want to know, like, the necessity for counselling him around how he handles other people's expectations. Yeah, that's right. That's exactly right. Where you say, look, Simi, um, you know, as you grew up, you thought that you needed to please everybody, and uh, this is you formed a habit that now is causing you damage. And this is a more grown-up way that you can deal with uh, yeah. other people. You don't need to, you know, be rude to them. You don't need to, you know, uh, be, you know, just do everything that you're asked to do and feel exhausted at the end of it just because you feel the need to please. You then, you know, teach them about boundaries. You teach yeah. them about what they yeah. should be willing to do. Yeah. And in the long run, anyway, it's it, like it creates a more happy life for anyone. Yeah. yeah, and I think if you go into, if, if, you, if it is a job that you're going into, if you go into that job being honest about your capabilities and yes. how you like to work yeah. um, and, that, and that person then comes back at you and says, no, I'm happy to do that because you're a, you're a beautiful person and you're a hard worker and I know that you're always going to have my best interests at heart. Mm-hmm. And they, you have then that relationship where there's mutual respect mm. and yes. Going to be really important. Yeah. Yes, agree. Um, so, what kind of uh, things show up on a, a, a brain map? Is that what you call it? Yeah. Okay. So, when we when we're looking at a QEG, what we're doing is we're looking at um, how the brain functions. Okay, and we're looking at what that. QEG stand for quantitative electroencephalograph. So you know an EEG that they yes. do. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So they're looking at the brain function. Um, so a QEG is about putting that together so that you can see whether there's any dysregulation that we can then address. 
Okay. So we look at brainwave activity. So we look at different types of brainwaves. Do you remember this, Joe, with the delta being that very mm -hmm. slow brainwave, big, slow, sleepy brainwave, theta, daydreamy, um, alpha is idling, that's your idle speed, and beta is on. So you've got these, these main base brainwaves in the brain um, and we map those to see how they're functioning in the brain. So if we have too much of the daydreamy wave, then we know we're going to have a child who has issues with attention. If we have too much of the on wave, we might have a child who has issues with anxiety and maybe obsessive behaviours. Um, and then sometimes we have a mix of both, like we did with Simi, and so we can then address that. Um, and sometimes the idle rate of our brain is not sitting at the right speed um, and that affects our processing speed and our cognitive flexibility. So there's, it, it just tells us so much. Yeah. That, that how, how valid is a reading like that at a point in time and how representative of, is it of a 24-hour like day? No, it's representative of you. So, for instance, when I do my QEG, say I do myself I, you know, once a year, it's always the same. So we're not looking at the state, we're looking at the trait. So oh, it's yeah. the trait. That's, that's, that's so important to understand, yes. Yeah, okay. your QEG will look the same no matter what day, time, like week. Fingerprint. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Although, so just say, just say a year down the track you've really worked on relaxation and not getting stressed out so those really red inflamed areas will be more calm exactly. hopefully yeah, yeah. That's cool. definitely yeah. Yeah. So is the red area inflamed is that what it means or is no, it that, well we, we look at it we call it inflammation because okay. yeah we, it, the environment the inflammatory environment that we live in today has an inflammatory effect on the gut has an inflammatory effect on our immune system and it has an inflammatory effect on the brain so linking all of those things together is, is what we do. Great. Ah. Mm. And so um, in, in, say, Isaac's case, what kind of brain waves did we see? So and he, how was, did we... he was on. He was just, <laughs> he never turned off. Yeah. <laughs> That's beta, is that right? That's the That's beta. Right. Yeah, it's not uh, he had none of the others. It was just nah. beta all the way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 On. And that's exhausting, you know, that's really exhausting because your brain is running too fast. And this tiny little brain that we have actually uses a huge amount of energy from our body. So even though it's a tiny little thing, it's, it can use up to 40% of our energy reserves in the day. Wow. So when you've, got a, when you've got a very fast brain, you're using up a lot of energy and that's exhausting. Interesting. Mm. Okay, so... Um, looking at the supplemental aspect of um, calming down in a hyperactive brain. Yes, yeah. What do we look at? We look at things that are going to impact on the parasympathetic nervous system, like magnesium. Mm, we always what look is at the parasympathetic nervous system. Yeah. So you have the sympathetic, which is fight flight, and then mm -hmm. parasympathetic, which is that calming response. Okay. Yeah, yeah, and then we looked to calm down glutamates. So yeah, we look we look at magnesium support. We look at zinc and B six because that supports so many of our neurotransmitters. Okay. Um, and we also look at diet because that high beta activity mm -hmm. is usually well, it, it's not helped, for instance, by having a diet that's high in things like glutamate. 
because glutamate is an exciter neurotransmitter. What kind of foods contain glutamate? All processed foods. Pretty much 80% of all processed food because glutamate is essentially MSG. Right. Uh, but they often won't put MSG in foods anymore. They'll put free glutamates, um, which is essentially still glutamate, mm-hmm. but it's from a natural source, so they don't have to call it MSG. Mm-hmm. But so it has the same impact on the brain. It has the same impact on the brain. It's monosodium glutamate, which is an isolated molecule, and it's uh, a purified substance that used to be added to food to give this hyper kind yes. of flavor to it. Exactly. And you think that that creates neural excitation, like the, yeah. the brain is actually... Yeah. Um, yeah. So, Research is so actually if you, trying to cause cellular death. Yeah. Yep. Cellular death? Yep. Yeah. In the brain? Yeah. <laughs> it, it kills brain cells. Yeah. Right. And, and there is solid scientific research yeah, on absolutely. that. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Okay, and, and then in order to avoid food labeling issues, they've stopped using the... The isolate, but they get like that's sort of synthetically manufactured. Yeah. But they're using like a natural concentrated form of this uh, glutamate, yeah. adding that to food, and they're avoiding the need to label. Yeah, they don't. Yeah, and then they don't have to label it MSG. So it's um, things like yeast extract, soy mm. protein, natural flavors, um, anything really with flavor. Um, so chicken flavored, barbecue flavored. Any flavor, yeah. It, they have to get that flavor from somewhere, so it's always going to be um, from a free glutamate. So yeah. to yeah. give that intense flavor. Yes. And the thing about glutamate, because it's an excitatory neurotransmitter, um, and you know, so not only does that cause that excitation of the brain, but we also have glutamate receptors in our mouth. So yeah. when we have something. As you'd know, food with glutamate, it's really tasty. Yeah. Yes. It's, 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 it's flavor that we can taste. So we get <laughs> salty, bitter, and sour. And yeah. then, because I think in the early 1900s that the Japanese uh, scientists discovered an isolated glutamate from seaweed, and he, he, that's what was giving his wife's soup this intense flavor. Yeah. And from there, that the whole world started using it from that guy. And That's it, right. we have a different receptor. And it's thought that it is because um, it's highly available in things like um, um, that are usually energy dense. And um, it favor, our biology is favored to, to like that more yes. to make us survive better. So it's a, it's a survival mechanism for us to actually like glutamates and that's why we we taste it but now it's being used in all sorts of foods that don't have the nutritional uh, um, exactly and like you know it makes you want to eat more makes you want to eat more and that's what because they want you to eat more yeah so and we and we wonder why there's an obesity epidemic (laughs) when 80% of all of our processed foods delicious yeah, yeah. That's actually how they get rats to get, become obese. If they want to study obesity in yeah. um, in labs, they feed rats glutamate because they know that it will make them eat more and they'll become obese. Wow. Whereas otherwise, they would they would regulate. Yeah, they'd be able to regulate. Yeah, so we've known that for years. They've done that since yeah. the yeah. yeah, yeah. So it tastes really good, but it's not very good for your brain. Right. <laughs> so it kills brain cells. Delicious, but delicious yeah. brain cell killing food. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Right. Yeah. And it leads our kids to become more sensory with regard to yeah. food as well because they love this flavour. Yeah. And then when we 
go to all this effort to cook these beautiful home-cooked meals. And it's like, yeah, yeah. yeah. they don't taste as good. Mm -hmm. So we're competing with this chemical, <laughs> chemical maze yeah. Um, yeah. and these laboratory technicians who are looking for the bliss point in food. Mm -hmm. And here we are as mums busting our gut trying to connect with <laughs> yeah. And that's what we're competing with. It's just, just like, Yeah. <laughs> and this is where technology is taking us in most aspects of our life, you know. So yeah. whether it's food technology or like computers and video games and, uh, yeah, you know, that's right. the, and television, that's right. like we, we actually have that kind of glutamate effect there too. Where yeah. like just going outside to the backyard just isn't as much fun as it used yeah. to. Mm. Yeah, true. Yeah, our kids are really in a very difficult environment, so much more difficult than we were. Because there's, you know, there's 80,000 different processed foods now. When I was growing up, there was 4,000. Um, and we didn't have the amount of chemicals. 80,000 now, 80,000. There'd be more than that by now. Yeah, yeah. That research I did a couple of years ago. That was so probably, yesterday. <laughs> yeah. Probably double. Yeah, yeah probably. Yeah. Uh, yeah, our four kids are really, they're like little guinea pigs in a whole big experiment. Mm. Um, we don't really know. Yeah. what all of this is going to, or how it's going to impact them. It's, but what we do know is it's causing anxiety. Yeah. Because anxiety rates yeah. are in, on the increase. One in four girls, teenage yeah. girls, have anxiety. Or and it's diagnosed yeah. mental health conditions. Yeah. One in four. One in Actually, four. One, in, one in three. Oh, one in three. One in three girls, one in four boys. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So, and then that's huge. You know why, like, why like the, there's more girls that have that? Because the boys I are saying no, they don't have it because they, they've got that issue with like. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah. Um, well, it's yeah, it's just an intense thing, and also just with for the listeners, uh, you know, every time you have something that's packaged, and when when you look at um, a, a holistic medicine, there's a concept called vitalism, which is that food. Uh, contains a vital force that uh, is essential for mm -hmm. living creatures to consume. So anything that's not basically a plant uh, is eating a food that contains a, a, a vital force. And as we eat it, uh, whether it's Ayurveda or Chinese medicine, or yeah, Western that's medicine, right. we that's all right. think of it in, in, the, in these terms that this vital force is actually causing our body to thrive. And yeah. then you know, we look at, say, glutamate, and it is definitely a poisonous molecule, you know, from, especially using now the science is fully backing that up. They used to say it wasn't back, you know, mm -hmm. a few years ago, and maybe that's sticking around. But also worth knowing that even when the food doesn't have these molecules in it, but it's still packaged, and it's something that's shelf-stable and can be yeah. on the shelf for so long, it lacks in that vi vitality, which is super yeah. necessary for a biological organism. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And really processed food by nature is inflammatory because mostly processed food is formed with some kind of refined grain, refined yeah. sugar, or refined yeah. vegetable oil, all of which are inflammatory. And then on top of that, you've got some kind of additives. Yes, yes. that's right. It's really hard to find a processed food yeah. that isn't inflammatory. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and high heat processing that damages the the fats in the food as well, which you know makes them rancid or oxidized, and then exactly. the you know so it's that's yeah. why you know we we say to our listeners that um, you know the best kind of diet is a whole foods diet. So whatever yeah, you, you, can, you can paleo, you can vegetarian, you can, like whatever it is, 
just make sure that you're eating real food, and that's that's a really solid foundation. Absolutely, um, and and that's the, that's what we've come to too in yeah. clinic is the baseline is real food, and it, you know that's the best starting point you can have. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Can I just ask, like, you're talking about the neurotransmitters involved in anxiety and how they get, how do you say that, excitatory, you know, yeah. all that stuff. <laughs> um, <laughs> so it's, it's partly the food, um, yeah. but what else can you do to help calm that all down? Yeah, so... It depends on the presentation. It, it okay. depends. Yeah. Like, there, there are supplements that can help calm mm. your excitatory neurotransmitters um do you think everyone knows what excited neurotransmitters and calming neurotransmitters are no, you, you well, talk about let's it. start by talking <laughs> about what neurotransmitters are and the, the biological role that they play yeah and yeah. then maybe break it down plus yeah what yeah because i think a lot of people have heard about serotonin for instance that's one of the most popular neurotransmitters <laughs> out there <laughs> you know we always talk about how important because it's a calming neurotransmitter it helps regulate our mood it keeps us happy and it's also the precursor to melatonin sleep so a lot of people know about serotonin as a calming neurotransmitter but GABA is also a really important calming neurotransmitter that helps reduce anxiety and we need a balance between glutamate and GABA so glutamate's an exciter neurotransmitter so we need a, a balance between glutamate and GABA to, to be able to regulate our emotions. And what a lot of people don't know is that glutamate and GABA actually make up the majority of our neurotransmitters. 80%, 80% of our neurotransmitters are glutamate and GABA, and most people haven't heard of them. So <laughs> yeah. and the rest of it is serotonin, your dopamine, your noradrenaline, you know, all of those make up the other sort of 10 to 20%. Mm. So that's what we're really focusing on, GABA and, and glutamate. Yeah, and getting that balance right, mm. yeah. And you, so, okay, sorry, I, I'm jumping ahead of myself. There's so many questions. <laughs> but yeah, so and your other exciter in neurotransmitters is the dopamine. Mm-hmm. So dopamine is your, you know, you, you get your excitement and your thrills and your motivation from dopamine. Yeah, yeah. but and that's an intrinsic motivation. So yeah. that's what makes us want to learn. You know, mm-hmm. so for kids who have low dopamine levels. Um, they just get nothing from learning. Yes, <laughs> it's like it's just like uh, why? It's just hard. They don't get the dopamine. So dopamine's okay. mechanism is like when you do something and you yeah, feel you good, that you feel good because dopamine's yeah. and it reinforces the habit because you go like I want to feel that good again, so I want to do yeah, this. Exactly. 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 And that's that's why video games are going so oh, well because, because these, they've designed them to increase dopamine. They get dopamine oh. hit. Instagram, dopamine hits. Facebook, dopamine yeah. hits. They've just actually designed their apps to, to ensure that they're getting the best possible dopamine hit out of the person as possible. Mm, and people yeah. go back for that. Yeah. So dopamine's another exciter in neurotransmitter. And then we've got um, adrenaline. Yeah. So adrenaline is something we really should only have when we're in an emergency kind of situation. Is it but a neurotransmitter, adrenaline? It is, yeah. Okay. yeah. It's an excitatory neurotransmitter. Okay. okay. And it's um, in the brain as well? So it's not... Like, yeah, yeah, no, in the brain. Oh, in, in the brain. The brain. Okay, yeah. Produced by the brain? Yeah, it's, it's... I mean, noradrenaline can be really positive for attention. Yeah, focus. yeah. They're not um, always negative. Which is why Sim, for instance, has used that in order to get his attention and focus up. Mm. Mm. So when we talk about 
calming neurotransmitters and excitatory neurotransmitters or sometimes calming neurotransmitters are called inhibitory. We're not saying they're good or bad. What we're saying is they need to be in balance. So pretty much like gut bacteria. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay. It can right. be in balance and then they balance each other out. So you need, yep. if you've got a balance of glutamate and GABA, you're going to be able to regulate your emotions. Okay. You're going to be able to, you know, do everything you need to do. Learn, focus. Learn, focus, all of those things. But if things are out of balance, and that's what we tend to see, is mm. kids with too many of those excitatory neurotransmitters, and that's really Isaac's profile. Yes. Yeah. Mm. So too many of those excitatory neurotransmitters, that's when we need to kind of bring those down and try and boost up the inhibitory ones. Mm. Okay, so like... Um, we're looking at things like, let's say, serotonin, the popular antidepressants are serotonin uh, reuptake inhibitors, right? Yes, so that right. Yeah. It allows the circulating serotonin to just stay there in the brain so that people feel, feel good. That's, that's the idea. Yeah. Behind. Actually, there's a really interesting book on that called Lost Connections by a guy called... Oh, my God, Daniel I love that book. book. <laughs> I, quote that book. I quote that book in the course, for I right, love it. Okay, it's amazing, <laughs> right? Like, it's an amazing book. Because, it, um, like, he really gets into the sign. Like, he, what he did in that book is similar to what Gary Tolbs did in uh, Good Calories, Bad Calories, or uh, when he taught the uh, insulin hypothesis where calories in calories out and calories were the dominant view of how people we thought that people put weight on and he would propose an alternate hypothesis and he said no it's hormonally regulated uh, through the action of insulin primarily um and um, john harari i think is his name was talking about um you know the the science behind depression and anxiety and um apparently like the two are one like depression it's depression it's not like there's no such thing as you know depression or anxiety or anxiety there um he said it's like the same song but one is covered by like a rock band and the other one's like (laughs) yeah um, but but that the science around uh, serotonin actually being um the like keeping it more circulating in the brain makes people less depressed simply is fabricated. Like there's no evidence behind that. That's right. And it's a, and it's a huge uh, multi-billion dollar industry. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah absolutely. And, what they're actually finding is that it's the anti-inflammatory aspect of the SSRI that reduces uh, the depression or anxiety yes. rather than the actual serotonin and and they've done studies they've actually compared SSRIs with um, turmeric and saffron Mm. and turmeric and saffron are just as effective effective. yeah reducing reducing anxiety and depression yeah lowering inflammation Mm. I mean like it's important for people to understand that we don't want to eliminate inflammation like inflammation is a normal function of the body and like even the word anti-inflammatory is this kind of mindset that western medicine has like this is anti-inflammatory let's just get rid of it no like anti-inflammatory antibacterial like if you look yeah (laughs) get a wound you want inflammation on it you know you want that you want to you want your body to have that thing and this is where herbal medicine and things like uh 
that that are produced by nature have this built-in intelligence in them that doesn't override the body's mechanism. So mm. where as opposed to a medicine that is like a purified chemical compound made by a pharmaceutical, it goes into the body and it overrides the body's intelligence and forces it to do something. Yeah. On the other hand, you've got something like turmeric and you eat it and it's food and uh it goes into the body and it assists the body in lowering its own inflammation and reaching a state of homeostasis or balance, which is like a far more uh, important and agreeable thing to do for the body than yes. to, to go down the path of medication. So, I, think, um, I think mental health um, treatment really hasn't moved much in 100 odd years. <laughs> it seems like a long time. We, do, we still use the same, a couple of decades. same psychotherapies, we still use the same mm. medication. Yeah, there's, we, no, there's no advancement. No advancement. Mm. Um, and, and it's Maybe because that, we're using the wrong paradigm. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. In that biomedical model. So yeah. when we were at the conference in Cairns, Joe, um, I, had a, I did a workshop with a really interesting man, Dr. Ron Swatzina. From America? From America. So he is a clinician, but he's also a researcher. And they're doing research into um, medication effects and the brain. Um, and they're actually looking to use the QEG as a guide for psychiatrists in prescribing medication. Oh, so right. that at least when you are giving medication, you know you're giving medication that's going to work. <laughs> yeah, I targeted towards, like, yeah, fent. Oh, that's great. Yeah, because at the moment um, the medications are really only given based on symptoms and behaviour. Mm. And yeah. as we know, you can have very similar symptoms and behaviours and yeah. different brain presentations. Yes, two different people, very different people with very different biologies. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Well, for instance, even using poor old Simeon and Isaac again, um, you know, if you go to the doctor, they'll pretty much say antidepressant if they're yeah. feeling really bad. Um, yeah. But then, like you said, it's a completely different case for both of them. Didn't you yeah. tell me that there was five different presentations for anxiety that yeah, the ones that we mostly see, so and and actually Isaac and Sim were two of those. So mm. Isaac was the t was when you're on, so they're always on. You know these kids, so they over worry, they overthink, um, they're perfectionists, mm -hmm. they can't let things go. You know, yeah, and they often yeah. have trouble falling asleep at night. So that that's one anxiety. That's one anxiety presentation, and then you have. Um, the, the ones that are off. Yeah, completely off. <laughs> so they're, they're the daydreamy ones, you know. And these kids, because they're processing information a little bit slower and the environment that we're in is just so fast, they get overwhelmed. Mm. So they get overwhelmed by the speed at which they're required to engage, really, um, and it's that that's causing their anxiety. Yeah. So these kids that are like, what's happening tomorrow? Oh, Simi does that all the time, ever since he was yeah, a little kid. Yeah. Exactly. He wants it written down. Exactly. And that's because he's trying to process. He's trying to process. Right. Okay. He knows he won't be able to process it on the day, so he has to prepare himself. Ah, interesting. So they're amazing kids because they, they put all these strategies. You do that too, Joe. But okay. mm, I do. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I got a bit of both, though. I'm really confused. <laughs> <laughs> I got the OCD crazy type and the daydreamy. So what am I? <laughs> <laughs> the mother of Isaac and Sue. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then we have the um, Simeon's presentation where, where they're daydreamy but also on. 
Yeah. Um, and that's because he's driven that fight-flight response to try and meet expectation. Mm. So these kids are exhausted. Um, they're trying to meet expectation and usually failing. Mm. Um, so, they, you know, they're really quite sad. It's not nice, you know. It's yeah, and that, and that spurs on that anxiety because yeah. you've got that adrenaline pumping and in the fight-flight all the time. All the time. Yeah. And then we have um, kids who are just sort of, they don't have enough alpha. So alpha is that idling wave. Um, and these kids are really negative. Like they, they need about everything. Like I can't do it. Mm. Um, I'm no good. I'm a horrible person. Yeah. You know, There's really, no point to my life. Yeah, they're really mm. down. Because they, you can't see things in a Yeah, a alpha, alpha helps you be more optimistic. Right. So, yeah, that and and then we have the beta spindling. Oh yeah, <laughs> that's a really complicated one. Really complicated it's only eight percent of cases mm-hmm. where you've got that really really high beta activity to the point that it causes a spindle in the QHS. Yeah, and these kids when they melt down, there is no getting them out of that. Mm-hmm. They cannot. You can't talk them out of it. You can't rationalise with them. They are in that emotional space, and there is no getting them out because their brain sort of. Almost like it catches fire, and they can't control it. Yeah. Oh, so, just I, I want to be uh, clear here. So, when we talk about this, are we blaming the brain as an organ for malfunctioning? No. No, we're blaming everything. No, <laughs> and that's the thing about it. it. There is no one thing. Yeah. So it's it's the gut health. Definitely, things like an overgrowth of streptococcus, for instance, can cause real imbalance in the brain. Yeah. Um, then it's also DNA genetics. So if you if you have the comp gene and you can't clear adrenaline, you're going to have more likelihood to have a high beta a, beta activity. Exactly. Um, so there's a whole array of things and then going there's, on. And then there's yeah, then there's the actual environment. So yeah. how much stress are these kids under? Mm. What are they, What's being asked of them? Mm. The stress also impacts on that. Yeah. yeah. And then, and also our toxins in our environment. Yeah. So it, it is complex, and that's why, as a mum, it's so hard to figure out. Yeah, it's not, and, and this isn't, you know, we're not we're not like mums in the nineteen fifties where they didn't even have car fumes to deal with, or yeah. or plastic foods, or plastics, or pesticides, or antibiotics, even. You know, it, yeah. it's that that was a whole different environment, and it was much more supportive of the genetic weaknesses that are inbuilt within us than our environment is now. Yeah. So for mums now, you really do need to know about this stuff. And that's so not fair. It's so not fair. <laughs> it's so not fair. Um, but you do because of the environment that our kids are in. Yeah, we've always had these genetic yeah. little snips or mutations. But so the environment supported it. Yeah. And now, now the environment is not. The environment is turning these genes on and we're seeing it day after day. Yeah. Anxiety. Yeah. But there's encouraging, though, to know that. It's not like this is how my brain is. I can never change it. It's just how I am. It's more like, a case of how about Joe? Yeah, it's right. You, you're going okay. Now I know which direction to go, and I can start working on these things because exactly. I know what to work on. Yeah, yeah. And if, it, yeah. if and, you know, once we have the once we have the full picture, you look at it and go, okay. So this is what we can change, and this is what we can support, mm. and that's where the social aspect comes in. And we talk about. Um, Always hope, never expect. So you hope the best for your child, you know. You hope for them. You don't expect yeah. because that just builds more stress. Yeah. Can I um, inquire about the process that you do? 
uh, so people go in and they get the assessment and then they get a treatment plan from you? Is that what That's happens? Right. Yeah, yeah. Part of the report, okay. they the treatment plan, yeah. yeah. Okay, and um, then the onus at that point as the person walks out the door with their treatment plan is to implement that treatment plan? Is there any no, support? Well, it's, it's a very much, as, as we've got the team here. Yeah, okay. we've made the team here, so you don't have to try and go everywhere else. And okay. it's it we're all talking. So, so everything, okay, so the yeah. team has in like all the tests that you need to do with yeah. all these things. Yeah. And then when you get that, then when you've figured all these moving parts out or to the best of our ability of... Uh-oh. Oh, we've lost um, you. <laughs> he's going in oh, slow motion. Hey, he's back. Okay, try just, again. No, it wasn't technology. I I disappeared. So. <laughs> oh, where did I go? Okay. He's back. <laughs> yeah. so, so you were saying um, once yeah, we. Yeah. yeah. So so we we support them the, through the whole process. Okay. Yeah, so yeah. it's too much, really. And that, I guess that's what our program is about. The Love yeah. Your Child yeah. program is about yes. helping mums put all that together yes. um, in a way that's affordable <laughs> because once yeah. you start that's a whole heap of different um, practitioners and, and we're essentially giving all of the knowledge that we've, we've, we've discovered over 12 years of treating children we're putting all of that into, into the program, course. yeah, so that they have everything they need and all the knowledge they need to require more from their health professionals. That's yeah, and also knowing what tests are worthwhile doing and what yeah. tests aren't. Like you can go down a rabbit hole. Um, you can spend a lot of money on a tests. lot of money on yeah. a whole array of different tests to try and assist your child. And it's pointless if there's no treatment for it. What's yeah. the point? So we we really. We don't over-test. No. And we try and make it all affordable too. Yeah, I know Elise, our um, um, nutritionist we work with, she um, really avoids testing people on the diet. Yeah, exactly. What's what's the point? Like everybody, for instance, there's going to be some basic things. And then maybe by that you see maybe 50% of symptoms go out the door all of a sudden Mm. just by the and we're very much the yeah. same. So we yeah. minimise the testing unless we have to. Yeah. So unless I mean, we yeah. have to, if we get to the end of it and it's just like there's still not enough change. Yeah. You go deeper in the, in the yeah. testing. Yeah. And, and of course, it's about educating people about diet so they understand why they're making the changes. Otherwise, they're not, not motivated, motivated to do it. Unless you understand why. Exactly. What's your definition of success for one of your clients? Oh my god, we are so bad. <laughs> we want them to completely be well. Be well. 100%. 100% well, or it's complete failure. Really don't like it when we don't see a lot of change. Okay. So, yeah, significant change. But in saying that, if if a child is very very complex and we've yeah. and we've looked at DNA we've you know and we see there's a lot of you know genetic issues mm-hmm. then we're you know we're we're honest with the mother in that it's this child is going to be needed needed to be supported yes. in this yeah 
Um, and, and you're not going to, and that's a lifetime journey. Yes, yes. and that and that change isn't going to be quite as significant because of those genetic mm. exactly susceptibilities. They always mm. improve. They always improve. Yeah. I think you know our, our, goal, goal, is, our goal, is, goal is no distress. Yeah, that's our mm. goal. That's yeah. good. Yeah. Yes. So they you know it's still going to have anxiety because anxiety is natural. Anxiety is normal, but but no distress. Mm. No yeah. distress. Yeah. And not as a baseline of way of living, like not living with 24-7 anxiety. Like yes, is, yeah, exactly. You know, exactly. exactly. It's normal yeah. to have fluctuations, but yeah. Yeah, these kids are, are in distress. Mm. The worse the behaviour, the worse the distress. Mm. So yeah. real, really symptomatic behaviours. They're having yeah. meltdowns and yeah. throwing things. They're driving you absolutely <laughs> nuts. Yeah. They are trying to tell you. I am in distress. They yes. just don't have to verbalize it. Yeah. And I, I liken it to say like a tree, you know, when like if you look at a tree and it's sick, you don't go, ah, oh, it's a sick tree, you know, like that's how it is. You go, well, is it getting enough nutrients? Does yeah. it have enough water? Is there competition in the environment that's causing stress on the, the nutrition that it's receiving? Does it have enough sunlight coming through? And you deal with these factors. And if you deal with these that's factors, right. the tree thrives. Yeah. Okay. This is hard. Pull up could come work for you. Yeah, I'll say <laughs> um, you fix the environment so that they can blossom. Yeah. Something like that. I haven't got it. <laughs> I have to remember what it was again. But, but you know, I, I think it's just the. Try and fix the flower. Yeah. Yeah, you fix the environment so it can blossom. Blue. Yes, because yeah. the flower in itself isn't. There's nothing wrong with it. No, that's, like right. that's right. Yeah. And we talk yeah. about our kids as um, orchids and dandelions. So a dandelion yeah. is a flower that you can chuck out the back door and it'll grow anywhere. You know, <laughs> yeah. and there are some kids that are like that. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> but our children are orchids, and they're <laughs> beautiful. But they need just a little bit better soil, a little bit better environment, a little bit better water. They need a little yeah. bit better of everything. Yeah. So oh, yeah, I like that. <laughs> My kids are definitely orchids. Yeah, <laughs> yes. yeah. Uh, that's really beautiful. <laughs> so tell us, how do people join your program? Is it like a, they can join any time or do you do it in waves? Like every We're doing it in waves because we like to give um, that one-on-one support. You know, yeah. we really, really want this to work. This is not just about putting something out there and hoping for the best. We want good results. Much the same. the next intake? 17th of September, and we're doing, up. Deal. we're doing a special deal for quirky listeners. Ah, oh, that's nice. We are. So if people are listening and they want to do the course, they put in code Q200 and they get $200 off. Exactly. Wow. Or, or Q200P. And they'll get, yeah, because there's a program a payment plan as well. Yeah, Two Q, okay. Q200PP. What is the program cost? Sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> as bad as me. <laughs> Nine hundred ninety-seven US, but it's and then but it's two hundred dollars off. Yeah, so seven ninety-seven US. Yeah, okay. And you can okay. do a payment plan, so you can do it over three months. Yes, it's two seventy-five. Yeah. Two seventy-five a month. Yeah. Okay. And how long does the program go for? It goes for that about that three about months. three months. Okay. Yeah. Because we find that it takes about three months to see significant change and yeah, that's yes. what we're on, significant change. Yeah. yeah. We want people to be able to implement it with support. Yes. So that's so good. 
Yeah. Yay! Well, congratulations. You're doing a great job by the sounds yeah. of it. And I really enjoyed reading the um, reports that you had on Simeon. I was like, now I can pick on them. More. <laughs> <laughs> he'll be on to them to to be eating properly and taking their supplements he'll be like right boys are you are you yeah. listening are you listening you're on your food that's right uncle uh, <laughs> 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 well, thanks so much joe and lovely to, lovely to meet you Fern. lovely to talk to you yeah it's really good to talk to you yeah yeah well um if do you get around to other cities very often to do because you know how you came to Cairns and you were in Melbourne I just have had a few people ask me do they come to other cities very often uh yeah well well through the course we actually recommend um practitioners that we're working oh, good. Yeah, so that we can great. do all that um work from a distance good. yeah we so can still look at it still and do a brain map yeah and, mm-hmm. and report on it yeah, yeah. yeah. So, oh, that's so great yeah, so they can have access to all of that. Um, yeah, yeah knowing, knowing the right people to go to. Yeah. Well, I know, um, like in my report, you said um, see your chiropractor and ask him these questions and to do this. And, you know, so it's really yeah. helpful because you can go to practitioners that you know at your local area and say, okay, this is what I need to get worked on. And Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Awesome. Um, and I forgot to mention we're also offering 15-minute um, Oh, free phone consults. Yeah, we're doing cool. for quirky people because if you're just kind of not sure if the program's for you or you want to talk about your child's symptoms. Yeah, and we just because, again, we want to make sure that this works. So if we, have, we, if we can have a chat with you, we can say, yes, this will work for your child or no, this won't. Yeah. So 15-minute phone consults are pretty good. It's really good. And so yeah, thank you. How do you do that? I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> you, can, you guys figure it out and let me know and we can put it in the show notes. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. thanks. They can eat us and organise. Yeah, just all right. Okay. It's all good. Not very technical, but we'll get there. You can see why I get on well with them, can't you, Foo? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) What's your email, guys? (laughs) What's our email? Go at loveyourbeautifulbrain.com. Oh, we knew that one. (laughs) Fantastic. If they just go to loveyourbeautifulbrain.com, Okay. Then they'll have the contact us yeah, page. Yeah, the contact us page goes straight to me. Yeah, and you say Google, yeah, love your beautiful brain or Dr. Natalie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'd love okay. to chat about it. Yeah. Thank, Thank you so much. much. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you. Bye. This has been a production of thewellnesscouch.com. Check us out on Facebook and join in the conversation on facebook.com forward slash thewellnesscouch. Subscribe to each show on iTunes and check us out on Twitter. The Wellness Couch, streaming wellness into your lives. Whilst the Wellness Couch presenter endeavor to provide accurate and helpful information to their listeners, these podcasts cannot take into account individual circumstances and are not intended to be a substitute for health and medical advice from a qualified health professional. You should always seek the advice of a qualified health professional before acting on any of the information provided by any of the Wellness Couch podcasts.